sure they're going all right? No? Yes. Okay. That was really quiet in the room. I guess it just something happened before I got in here. No. See some news that I didn't know about, that sort of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's good to see everybody. We had a, a good first service, and um, but this one trumps it because you can't get better than a baptism. In fact, we could probably do a baptism and just go home. Um, God's already done the work, and we're good to go. But nonetheless, that was that was fun. Um, we are looking for volunteers. And so this afternoon, I'm going to send out a link that you can go to and sign up for stuff. Also, on your church app, if you go to that and go all the way to the right-hand corner, bottom corner, you can hit events, and you'll see we need volunteers, and you can sign up that way. We're just trying to see who is comfortable with volunteering, and as we try to build that base back up so that we can uh, get back to normal church-type stuff. So if you'll go there and show us where you would like to volunteer, that would be absolutely incredible. Um, this is uh, In Christ Part 2, but while I was kind of polishing this up this week, I ran across um, two, two comics I want to show you. Here's the first one. <clears throat> so what are you wearing tomorrow? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, next. Before I tell you what happened, Mom, remember, the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, great. Look, that, can you go back to that one? Do y'all get that? The little boy, or maybe your kids are just perfect. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's why you didn't think that was funny, funny. Or maybe the Lord gave you more than you could handle. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Um, I somewhat am intrigued with, like, pregnancy announcements, Okay because I don't necessarily completely understand them, and it's probably because I'm just a guy, okay? Just a guy. I understand gender. Not that I would do it if Nicole and I had another baby, and we're not going to. Um, if we had another one, you know, the gender reveal party where the blue stuff goes in the air, you know, it just looks like a lot of fun. There's a lot of smiles, a lot of giggles. The pink stuff goes up in the air. I mean, it's, it looks like it's fun, and the pictures are really nice, and, and you know, whereas I wouldn't do it, I, th I think it's fine. I think it celebrates the fact that there's a life inside of that lady, and that life is going to come forth, and this is what it is. If I was God, however, which is a good thing I'm not, I would trick, play some tricks, right? Like they would have the gender relief party, and it's a girl, but lo and behold, with the baby's board, boom, boy. <laughs> I, I think that would be awesome. So funny, but God is more gracious, loving, and kind than I am. So, so that's a good thing. So anyway, you have these genders. So it's not that. It's these pregnancy-like announcements. Like when Nicole and I, specifically Nicole, when we were waiting for the child when she was pregnant, blah, 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 um, we just called our parents and said, hey, we're pregnant. We're pregnant. That's what we did. Or we, or we met with them and told them, I really don't remember. It's all a blur. But we didn't have a big moment on Facebook. Now, you might be one of these people that had the big moment on Facebook. To be honest with you, I don't remember if you did or not, so I'm not trying to offend anybody. But I get kind of tickled with the little pregnancy announcements. Number one, by the time they take the pictures, she already has a bump. So, so either she's drinking a lot of beer or 
What's that? Belly, right? Oh, come on. This, this, this is okay. It's okay to laugh. Or something. So, so you have these pictures where the lady has like her, her belly there and the guy, and this is what I don't understand. The guy is on his knees and he's kissing the belly of the baby. I just don't get that. I don't, I don't understand why a guy would need to do that. Maybe it makes her feel good. I don't know. But for me, it creeps me out a little bit. A couple of things about it. <clears throat> One is, um, you're not kissing the baby. The baby's on the inside of the mom. Okay, you're not kissing the baby. So the little warm fuzzy we're feeling is not the warm fuzzy. When that baby comes out and you want to have a picture of you kissing your daughter, your son, I, that's perfectly fine with me. I feel fine with that. But we do not need to see you kissing your wife's belt. We just don't need that. We don't need to see that. We don't need to scroll through that on social media. It's just kind of funny. I don't know why you would do that. I have noticed that most of those guys are named Trevor. So there, there is that. Okay, I'm just having fun, having fun. That said, when we go on social media, we are trying to portray an identity that we have. Now, this is where I'm, I'm serious, the identity that we have. In that particular regard, we're trying to say, hey, we're pregnant. We're identifying with this pregnancy. We have gotten married, we are having a child, and we're excited about it. That's our identity. When you have the gender reveal party, you're trying to show the identity of that, that child, whether it's a guy or a girl, and you're trying to tell the world that. You're trying to say that one day, we are going to be more than two, we're going to have three. Or if you're other people, four, five, six, 10, 20, whatever it might be. But you're having another child. You're having that child. We're going to be a family. We're going to be more than just husband and wife at that particular moment. And it's a great thing. It's, it's an identity thing. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 1. And I want you to notice as we read this verse that this whole verse is about identity. It's about identity. So 1.1 one, one says, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. First, we see his name's Paul. Second, we see that he is an apostle that was called by Christ Jesus. So that is his identity. I am an apostle. Jesus Christ himself called me to do that. And it's by the will of God. This is the will of God for me. I did not choose this myself. He chose me. And so he's making his identity as a church leader as a leader of what God is doing in the world, and he's a part of that will. Then he identifies who he's talking to, and he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Now, in order to be a saint, you have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to accept him, his death, burial, and resurrection. Realize that you're a sinner, accept him into your life. That is when you and I become a saint. You do not have to work towards sainthood. You don't have to one day have people tell you that you're a saint after you die and make you a saint. That's not how this works. It works the moment that you're a Christian, you become a saint, a holy separated one that God has separated for his purposes. So that's anyone in the room that has accepted Jesus as their savior. So it says to the saints who are in Ephesus, Ephesus in the border of Ephesus. So that would be the city of Ephesus and the surrounding 
outside city parts. So anybody within that realm. I would also like to tell you that there is some scholars that also believe that the book of Ephesians was also written to the book of Laodicea as well. But um, in this introduction, he's just identifying the people at Ephesus. So it's in the parameters of Ephesus. And are faithful in Christ Jesus. That's also a parameter. That is also a border, a border system. You are in Christ Jesus. That is where you are living. So it's a parallel between where you live on earth in Ephesus and where you live in Christ because you received him as your savior. Now, I, and if you've listened to me long enough, you know that I'm telling the gospel truth. I am not really good at English. Thank you, thank you. Not really, it's just not, I try, but it's just, it just, I am who I am. I'm from Colfax and this is how we talk, okay? It's just how it is. And it's not Colfax, it's Colfax. I'm from there, you don't say, you say Colorado, anyway, it doesn't matter. So, so I, in Christ, you, you have this, and in Ephesus, it's called in Greek, the locative of sphere. That means that you are living within this bubble, you're living within this boundary. So locative of sphere would be um, Ephesus or Christ. You are living within the realm, the boundaries of the Lord Jesus Christ, is what he's saying. Now, I would submit to you today that if you're living in Christ, the boundaries are almost limitless. The options that you have for life are almost limitless. That's counterintuitive to how we really think. Uh, we think that the options are in the world that we're living in right now. We think that that's where all the options are for us to have fun and for us to have life. But in reality, for the believer, if you're living within the realm of Christ, within the boundaries of who he is, those boundaries are almost limitless. They limit you when it comes to sin and living lives of unholiness. So, when you decide not to live within how he wants you to live and you live outside of that, your world as a Christian shrinks to the world that you're living in around you. Is this making sense? You've decided to live here instead of in the riches of the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a bigger area to live in. There is more options. In this text, it tells us a little bit about living in Christ Jesus. If you notice uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, it says, so that we <clears throat> who are the first to hope in Christ, notice in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the sealing of the Holy Spirit is what we have in Christ. It shows ownership, protection, validation. It shows a relationship that we have now with God the Father, the sealing that the Holy Spirit has. Relationship, validation, protection, ownership. It is a good thing that you and I are owned by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Before we were slaves to the world, but redeemed out of that into Christ. And we no longer have those chains. We are free. We are free. So it's a seal. 
It also means that once I become a Christian, I will always be a Christian. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 16 tells us a little bit more about the seal. And it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The reason you can cry, Abba, Father, is because the sealing of the Holy Spirit that you are now a child of God. The spirit himself, it continues, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There is something inside of me that connects me with God the Father. There's something inside of me that says I am his child and confirms that in my very soul. The next text we're going to is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, that says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has set, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's Galatians chapter four, verse four through six. The next, the next verse, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So this Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Jesus Christ lives inside of us. We have the presence of God inside of us because we're Christians. Now, this is mind-boggling. It's a mind-boggling concept that the God that created me now lives inside of me. If you talk to children, they try to figure that out. They try to figure out how Jesus got in there. I mean, I've seen kids, I've talked to kids before. Well, how did he get in there? Well, he's a spirit and he lives inside and, and that's what has revived you. It, it's a good thing. He doesn't necessarily control you though, unless you allow him to control you. He doesn't show you where to go unless you allow him to show you where to go. That you submit to that. And so he lives inside of you, he seals you. So that brings us to Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, which says this, and do not grieve, the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, you are living in the realm of Christ. God the Father has put all this into motion, chose you in Christ, saved you in Christ. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by living outside of Christ over here in the world, in sin, in the way that you are not supposed to live. Don't live in this realm, live in the Spirit because when you live like you're not supposed to, you grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you decide to live opposite of a saint of God is the moment that you grieve the Holy Spirit. The moment you decide not to live up to your position in Christ as a saint and you live as something else over here, the Holy Spirit is grieved. It is grieved. So it, it, it's that sealing of the Holy Spirit. It's us in Christ. How many of you have gone to like a graduation celebration this year? <clears throat> Anybody? Several people, great. Um, I've, I've gone to a couple this year, graduation celebrations. But last year, um, there was one that I went to and a friend of mine, and um, when, when you went there, he had a table set up for gifts, you know, for the graduate, right? And then he had a, a table set up for gifts. 
Oh, a table of pictures of the graduate, you know, like when they're a little kid and stuff, they, they had the pictures there. And then over here was a very important um, table with the cake on it. People seemed to gravitate toward that more than they did the pictures and the gift table. I don't know why, but the cake table was very important. And then there was this table over here that just had one gift and one card on it. So I went over there to that, to that table, and I looked at that, and it said, to mom and dad to mom and dad. So I went over and, and I asked, um, <clears throat> asked my friend about it. He said, yeah, yeah, that, that's really, that is interesting. In fact, yesterday, he was telling me, we went to a graduation party for a friend of ours and they had the same table set up. They, they had a table for gradu graduate and all the gifts there and they had a, had a table of the pictures of the graduate from you know baby all the way up and then they had the cake table and then they had this little table over here that had a gift on it with a, with a nice little card beside of it that said, to mom and dad. My friend said, it, it wasn't until today that I realized why that table is there. You see, the graduation we went to yesterday, that friend of ours, his daughter is adopted. And the graduation you are at today my son is adopted. And so what these two adopted kids have done is they set up a table and they bought their parents a gift with a card, a gift with a card, because they are thankful for what their parents have done for them. Now, let me break this down for you. I did not have a table or a gift or a card for my parents the three times I graduated. Didn't have it. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about setting it up. And I will tell you this, my dad decided to support my ministry and he put me through school. That was a lot of money. I did not have a table, didn't have a thank you card, didn't have a present. Now, my next statement has nothing to do with what's going on in our country, so do not put it in that context, okay? I was privileged to have parents that sent me through school. Not only that, I am their blood. I have their DNA inside of me, right? In other words, what they got was what they got, and they couldn't do anything about it. I came out, there I was. I grew up, there I was. Everything I did wrong that laid a lot on their shoulders that the Lord will not give you more than you can handle, right, was, was, was stuff that they got because I am their kin. I have their blood pumping through my veins. I am their naturally born child, okay? So, I didn't think about thanking them for the things that they had done for me. I didn't think about going that, that extra distance. But see, adoption's different. Adoption is two parents that have decided to go out and adopt a boy or a girl, and they're gonna have some choice in that boy and girl coming to their house. They go to that, that place, they see, they see the kids, they, I don't 
know how it all works, but they find the kids that they're gonna adopt and then they go through the legal procedure to get those child. And then they bring that child into their house that doesn't have their blood and doesn't have their DNA and they love them as if they were their own. That is an amazing choice. That's an amazing choice. I went, I chose them to be a part of my family. They are going to have a different slant on life than I do. See, my kids are either do things that Nicole has done in the past or they do things that I have done in the past. They are slanted in that direction because fortunately or unfortunately, they have received our DNA and that is how they act, right? These kids that come in, you don't know which way they're going. And so I think that it's a bigger challenge to parent children that you did not give birth to than it is to parent the kids that you gave birth to. I think it's a bigger challenge. I think it, it, it's more work. And this is just from observation. I, I think that it, it requires more love. It requires more dedication. It, it requires just a lot of other stuff than, than the kids that you normally have. Um, naturally. So they were chosen, brought into the family, and made a part of that family and equal with the naturally born children. So their view is, I would not be here at graduation today if these two parents had not chose me and saved me out of that life. Are you tracking? You and I are adopted sons and daughters of God. This means that he went out and chose you and brought you into his family. He chose you to be sons and daughters of his adoption with rights and privileges equal with Jesus Christ. That is an amazing, an amazing thing, an amazing thing. Look at verse four of Ephesians, it says this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He chose you and he chose me. God the Father chose us in him in him. How? Listen, and he shouldn't have chose us. Who do you think is easier to get along with? Jesus? Or you? God's up in heaven in perfection, talking to Jesus. I mean, I know they're three in one, but just go with this illustration. He's talking to Jesus, talking to the Holy Spirit. They're talking together. In Scripture, it seems they communicate with each other, but they're one God, right? Yeah, I, I have a naturally born. He has my DNA. He has my blood type. He's absolutely perfect, just like I am. And then God looks down at you and me. Jesus? Right? What is it? What is it? Which one would you rather have? But Jesus said, hey, I want more. And I want those people. 
and I want to save them, and I want to bring them into my family. This is an amazing thing. A perfect God choosing imperfect people to be a part of his family. Providing a way for them to be perfect in Christ. Providing a way for them to have a better life, to get into heaven one day. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's absolutely amazing. And he did that for you and me. Why wouldn't we be faithful? So verse one says, to the saints who are in Ephesus that are faithful. Faithful. You and I, because we shouldn't have have been given the position that we've been given by God the Father, should be faithful to him in all that we do in our everyday lives. We should be faithful to live within Christ and within the way that he wants us to live and not stray and betray him and his sacrifice that he made for us in order to live in him. So he gave us a position. The question is, are we faithful in Christ? Turn over to Ephesians chapter six, verse 21. It says this. It says, so that you may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, I love Tychicus. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I want you to notice faithful minister. This is what this means. It means that Tychicus did everything that he was supposed to do as a minister of the gospel. He was faithful to it. He was faithful in his proclamation. He was faithful in the way that he lived. He was faithful in what he was supposed to do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you and I are to be faithful, we need to be faithful as saints of God, faithful to that calling. And we shouldn't be doing stuff over here that's not faithful to the call of sainthood and the position of sainthood in our life. We should be following God in a very exact manner that God can look down and say, hey, they're in Christ and they are faithful. They're doing everything a saint should do. Faithful means trustworthy, reliable, dependable, loyal. Trustworthy, reliable, dependable, loyal. Are you dependable? Are you a dependable saint? God knows that you're gonna be a saint in this moment and he knows you're gonna be a saint at this moment and you're gonna live out what you have been called. Are you dependable to God? Are you trustworthy with God? Are you loyal with God? Are you loyal? Trustworthy, reliable, dependable. Flip over to Revelation chapter two, verse 13. Revelation chapter two, verse 13. We are going somewhere, not just in the Bible. Revelation chapter two, verse 13 says this. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name and you do not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Antipas, who was killed and was a faithful witness. How is Antipas a faithful witness? Well, he was given a choice because he was a martyr. He was given a choice to deny Jesus Christ and have a little bit more time to live here on earth or to stand firm in his faith in Christ and die early and go see Jesus. That was his 
That was his choice. And so Antipas decided that he would rather die in this world, in Christ, serving Christ, in the realm of Christ, than save his life for a little time and live in the realm where Satan dwells, in Satan's world. You see, there's only two locations that you and I can live in. It's either in Christ or in the world, Satan's world. It's one of the two places. There is no in-between. There's not a gray area between the lines. You're either in Christ or you're living outside of Christ in the devil's world. And Antipas said this, he would not stop living in the sphere of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to live where Satan lives. How many times have Christians decided to quit living as saints and live where Satan lives because for some reason they think there's more options and it's just more life-giving, more love, or whatever it is over here? How many times has that happened? Too many. You and I need to be dedicated and faithful to be saints, living in Christ Jesus our Lord in the way that he wants us to live at all times. You see, you are faithful to what you give your life to. You are faithful to what you give your life to. If you give your life to Christ, you're gonna be faithful to Christ. If you give your life to something else, you are going to be faithful to that. So what have you given your life to? Well, to kind of move us and unpack that particular question, um, I have a video from Nature Valley. They, they make food that you... Yeah, great, great. They make food. I, I figured y'all you'll need this. But this came out um, probably maybe two years ago, maybe. Um, but I think it fits in what we're talking about today. So watch this. When you were a kid... What did you do for fun? So we'd go blueberry picking, for instance. Uh, just that's so cute. <laughs> but it was true. We grew watermelons, um, plantains. I found an old sign which was big enough for me to sit on. It made a great toboggan. It was very slick, very fast. <laughs> I had a few fish in my basket, and I looked up on this bluff, and here's this black bear sitting there watching me. If he starts chasing me, I'm going to keep throwing the fish out of my basket until he's gorged that he won't and they won't bother me and what did you like to do for fun you know you go door to door get a group of kids and you play uh, lots of games uh, hide and seek just going out to the field and playing baseball and we build these massive forts you know the kind that you can actually sit in and 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 play in you know with with our friends and it was just really wonderful so what do you like to do for fun video games definitely i like to go on my phone text some email. My favorite thing to do in the world is definitely watching videos and playing video games. Those take up so much of my time. Three hours, or t three to four hours a day. Same. Five hours straight. Just last week, I watched 23 episodes of a TV series in less than four days. I forget. I'm in a house, I have parents, I have a sister, I have a dog, I... Just think I'm in the video game, I completely get lost. I would die if I don't have my tablet. 
Whenever I feel upset, I'd play video games and I'd feel normal. It's really wonderful. When your daughters grow up, your great-great-grandkids, what do you think will happen if this trend continues? It's scary to think that they'll never have to leave the house. Cindy grew up uh, doing a lot of the things that I did and, and enjoyed, and I see what uh, my grandsons are doing today, and it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. By the time they have kids, it's going to be a really different environment. I actually feel a little sad because I feel like he's missing out on what's out there mm -hmm. in the beautiful world. special connection with nature. I think it's innate in all children, but needs to be nurtured. Games are how much time your kids are playing video games. It's not what this is about. That might be a parenting thing for another time. It's not about that. This is about what you are faithful to is what you give your life to. Let's start with the kids. Kids are very faithful to their text devices, right? Whether they're texting friends or whether they're doing something, they're very faithful to that. Some of these kids are very faithful to their video games. You had one that made this statement that I thought was very striking. I do not feel normal unless I'm playing a video game. So what you have given your life to, ladies and gentlemen, whatever it is, is the place where you feel the most normal. So if you feel the most normal not living in Christ, that says something about you. If you and I feel the most normal when we are doing this, church, this is the most normal that we feel when we're in church, then that says something about you. I submit to you this morning that every Christian should feel normal, the most normal that they feel in this particular setting. I'll go one step further. When you're at home and you open up this word and you read it and you try to learn from it, that is a moment you should feel the most normal as a believer, as a saint, as an adopted son of God when you are reading his word. Another place where you should feel the most normal is when you pray when you're communing with that God that created you and you're living in the sphere of Christ, you're living in Christ and you're communicating with him, that is when you and I should feel the most normal. You know where you and I should feel absolutely out of place? In anything that has to do with the world. There should be times when we visually see something on the screen that we feel physically uncomfortable because we know that isn't right and that isn't something that is in Christ. It should be the moment that we say, hey, we don't use that language, we don't do that, that's not something we do, and we really just feel uncomfortable watching that. You feel the most normal. Whatever you feel the no most normal with is what you are following. Now, I love music. There's two types I don't love, but I love music, okay? 
you and I should feel the most normal when we are listening to worship music, when we're listening to Christian music. There should be something that hits our soul when we listen to that. And we feel the most normal. We feel the most connected with God. We feel the most in the family. You see, some of us feel the most normal when we listen to pop music that has nothing to do with God. That says something. Some of us feel the most normal when we listen to country music and we're losing dogs and cats and wives and cars and, oh, come on, that's funny. Because if you play it backwards, you get all that stuff back. I am not necessarily saying that country music is wrong. I don't really like country music, but I love Carrie Underwood. Her voice, she could literally, and this is an electronical thing, but you know the old phone book? She could get that out and sing the names, and I would be fine with it. You know, it's just beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous voice. But this should not bring me more joy and make me feel more normal than a worship song or a song about Jesus or something that I hear. I should be drawn to that music. Not that I don't listen to this at all. It's not that. But my identity and when I feel the most normal is when I listen to that. Let's fast forward a minute and maybe I can illustrate it this way. In heaven... In heaven, music. Will Carrie Underwood be singing, I slashed his four tires? Right? That song isn't going to be in heaven. I took a baseball bat to his, that's just not going to be in heaven. That song is not going to be in heaven. What's going to be in heaven? Another song she sings, How Great Thou Art. Man, it's beautiful when she sings that song. You see, what should make us feel the most normal is that praise music that takes us beyond this life into the next one, into the one that says, not only am I a child of God, not only am I adopted, but I have an inheritance in a better place. And we're gonna sing about that. So I should feel the most normal when I'm worshiping, when I'm thinking about that, when my mind is going in that direction. This music should not make me feel normal. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy it, but it shouldn't be something that makes me feel normal and gives me peace. You see, we instantly kind of start going on to the whole kid route where they shouldn't be doing their devices. They they should have a time limit on their devices. They're, They're messed up because they're not outside anymore. I wanna submit to you this morning that the same way that you felt about the kids in that video is the same way that God the Father feels about you and the Holy Spirit feels about you when you're over here messing with stuff that is death, that is not important. Where you find your normacy and your, your stability and who you are in something else besides Jesus Christ. When you live in this arena and you think this is normal and this is what makes me who I am, is the moment that you're more lost than you realize. It is only living in Christ that you and I as believers should feel normal, peaceful, joyful, and fulfilled. In Christ alone. So I ask you, where do you feel the most normal? What are you giving your life 
What are you giving your life to? Look at chapter 5, verse 16 of Ephesians, and we're going to wrap up with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Let's do 15. I'm a preacher. We're going to do something. You know, we're going to add a verse. Probably about 20 more minutes. I'm just kidding. 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The best use of your time and my time is living in the presence of Jesus Christ the Lord. We are foolish when we decide to live outside of that. We are foolish when we decide to find our comfort outside of that. You can only have comfort in Christ alone. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the state that you've given us. We Thank you for uh, the start of Ephesians. I want to take a moment to thank you for adopting us into your family. It is something that you did not have to do. It is something that, even though you're a God of peace, um, we have a tendency not to give that peace back to you. It's a lot of trouble to adopt us into your family. We are thankful for your love and your grace and your mercy that did that. So thankful. Father, I pray for the people in this room. And I pray that if they're Christians that this week, they will find contentment in nothing else but you. That this week, as they do other things that they're trying to find contentment in, trying to find peace in, that you will cause those things not to give them peace. But I pray that as they open up their scriptures, as they pray to you, as they enter into your presence, that you'll give them that peace and that stability that they need. And I know if they do that, that is the moment they'll feel the most normal. We are not of this world any longer in Christ. And we're thankful for that. So as decisions are being made and as people are thinking this week, I pray that you'll continue to work by the power of your Holy Spirit as we are also predestined to become more into the image of your Son. I pray that you will continue to do that work. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing the words to this number. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made, I see the I hear the rolling thunder 
thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. All right, let's do the chorus again. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. Peace. See you next week.